It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Today, myself, Simon and Danny Murphy reacted to Chelsea losing to Middlesbrough in the first leg of their League Cup semi-final last night. We asked, should Pochettino be under more pressure? Plus, with it being a year since Howard Webb took charge of the PGMOL, we assess his first 12 months in charge. And Simon gives his views on Joey Barton continuing to criticise female pundits. Now, we complain, Simon, when it's murky out there and the sky is dark and yeah. uh, it's cloudy. And now we're saying, oh, it's awfully cold, isn't it? It's it awfully is. cold. <laughs> Not a cloud in the sky. Look at that. It's wonderful, isn't it? And that's why you've got on that lovely white polo neck it's, under that cardi. It's bracing is what it is. Yeah. You yeah. Brace yourself. Bracing. Bolting. Quite right. How was it at Murphy Towers when you left this morning? Chilly? Very chilly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but you're wrapped up well, aren't you? Yeah, well, I was at Wigan Monday night, as you know. Um, yes. With Mr. Durham and Jim, and uh, yeah. I have to say, that's probably the coldest I've been this season. I really? mean, <laughs> Wigan's not the most inviting t- place at the best of times. No, it's pretty be open there, isn't it? At the it's, uh, it was cold. All the residents of Wigan are now writing in and complaining about the beautifulness of their town. I meant the stadium being open and cold. <laughs> it's a lovely stadium. That was, you, good, ma- that was you Dave choosing. Dave that, built that stadium. It's a good stadium, isn't it? I love Wigan. I actually maybe. played at the old one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good yeah. place. Uh, I thought Wigan did well. Uh, I thought Middlesbrough did really well last night. Yeah, Although, yeah. what do you make of it, Danny? I mean, talk about missed chances by Chelsea. Where, where's your head in that? Are Middlesbrough going to get to this final? Well, it reminded me of the semi-final when we played at Palace. And I knew be- it was coming. I was going to get there first. I was going to get there first. I knew it was coming. Go on, Danny. <laughs> when uh, there was all this... Uh, ce- ce- Celebrations. Yeah, there was... There cele- wasn't, actually. It was no, there wasn't. Day. But there's... I thought... Tell us what happened. We lost. Liverpool lost to Palace in the first leg. Yeah, and um, we gave them a good eye in Anfield in the second Indeed. leg. Um, Where but, were you in all of this? No, listen, it was my first season. We were in. Oh, was that your first one? It was cup semi final. Was he um, over celebrating in the sand? No, not Simon. No, not no. at all. Neither were the players. The, the, what the controversy? The fans came out, really. The controversy came out of it because uh, Michael Owen had missed quite a few chances in the game, yeah. mm. and they asked Clinton Morrison, and Clinton, being Clinton, didn't engage his brain before he engaged his mouth. <laughs> they asked him, "If you had all those chances, would you score those goals?" And Clinton went, "Yeah, man." Right. So the next thing you had was that the cocky face of the first division tells Michael Owen that he would have scored more goals if, it, if he'd have been playing. It's for a them. bad headline. So of course we go up to Liverpool, 
expecting to get some outcome. The manager says if we can hold them tight for the first 10 or 12, 15 minutes, we'll be all right. We're 3 0 down in 12 minutes. <laughs> um, and, and Clinton misses an absolute sitter in, in front, front of the, of the cop. cop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Right. But I, uh, it was 5 0. On a more serious note, I thought Middlesbrough were terrific. Protecting yeah. the lead second half was brilliant. It was a real. And actually, actually the great thing about watching games sometimes is, is, especially teams you don't watch very often, is looking at how they're coached, what the plan was. You know, so good from Michael Carrick. There was a really good shape in the first half. A bit risky because they gave up some chances playing out from the back. But wings back really, uh, wing back's really high. And down that right side, an obvious tactical ploy to keep getting it in behind there and use the pace down there, Joan. And I thought that Michael Carrick deserved great credit for that. And then the, the change in the second half, where after about 55, 60 minutes, then the new Chelsea were dominated, they decided, you know what, we'll sit in and take the 1-0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And for it did a, very well. For, an, for a team that hasn't got great in experience, never mind yeah. losing two of their best players in the first half, by the way. Two injuries in the first half. Mm. I thought it was a really, really great advert for Michael and a great advert for the championship. Yeah. But I do think Chelsea will have too much in the second game. Well, I mean, it's talk this morning that more than talk, uh, it, it looks like it's going to happen that Middlesbrough adding to their ranks today. Luke Ailing, uh, Leeds United, uh, yeah. moving there on loan, it would seem. Good player. Uh, yeah, I mean, Michael Carrick, when you look at it, Simon, Rooney has just uh, hit a, a bit of a roadblock, obviously, in more ways than one at uh, Birmingham City. Yeah. So he's looking for work. Stephen Jarrett's found life pretty darn tough in Saudi Arabia. Uh, it hasn't really worked out for Frank Lampard, uh, who isn't in a job at the moment. Michael Carrick, he comes out of there from a golden generation of players as one who is really shining. Was he really part of that golden generation in people's minds? Oh, um, oh what? No, he, no, he was top, a good, I mean, top, no, he was a good player. player. No, he was a good player. I tried to sign him in 2005 from West Ham. He was a wonderful West player. Um, he was yeah. a very good player. But when you look, when you talk, when, not normally when you talk of the golden generation, does Michael Carrick's name get mentioned no. in that bracket? Is he up there, Danny? Well, I think what you, the golden generation comes from that England team and squad, really, yeah. that people talk, and he Lampard, wasn't in it. Gerard, he wasn't Rudy. in it, yeah. yeah. So, Scott, you know, all that. All, Beckham. Stevie's, yeah, Stevie's yeah, goalsy lamp. But the same period, I mean, that, that, that's key to what, what we're What you mean about. is somebody who's successful in that area at club level and had a huge, huge influence on that Manchester United team. Yeah, I mean, he was a really, really top player, but I don't think he's, yeah, he's not generally classed Yeah, he's that. not, you know, when you, when you think of the golden generation, you think of the front and the back pages of the newspapers, and certainly Lampard, Gerald and Rooney have made those. Yeah. But his character travelled a different way. You know, he quarterbacked Man United. He was a different kind of player um, and a very understated one. And he's gone about his business a different way. Now, ultimately, he stepped into the hot seat at United for a couple of games when the um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer fiasco was brought to an end. Um, but he's also gone behind the scenes and learned his trade a little bit more. Some could suggest that maybe Steven Gerrard did too. But the point is, is that character, different personality, a different profile, a different prestige. He went to Middlesbrough last year. He did well. Started this season, all of a sudden, like the wheels have come off. Uh, with the greatest respect to the achievement, if I I know Steve Gibson, Steve Gibson will take getting promoted over the Premier League every day of the week and twice on Sunday over getting to a cup final, albeit nice to have honours. And if you can get them as an owner of a football club, they're few and far between. Sure. But this is a game where you've beaten Chelsea, and with due respect to us, we beat Liverpool. We outplayed Liverpool, and Liverpool were in their pomp at that time. Not a, not a dysfunctional Chelsea side. They were a side that went on and ran a treble that season. Right. So we beat them fair and square, and we were the better side on the night. But when we went to Anfield, reality kicked in. Mm. And I suspect, albeit that I don't think Chelsea are a particularly good side, that it Happy will enough. be a different 
This current Chelsea team, though, do you think reality will kick in in the second leg? Well, they've got better players. Automatically? I, yeah, not automatically, but I assume that it will. Oh, in a one-off game, look, anything can happen. If a, you know, sending off an early goal for Middlesbrough, the fans get you know, the fans get frustrated, the nerves kick in. Anything can happen in, in those type of games. But more yeah. often than not, nine times out of ten, Chelsea at home against the Championship side, no matter who they are, will turn them over. Yeah, it's, it's one of those semi-final stories on the cup. That it's a great you, story. You, you know, you, you hope comes along. That did come along. You hope if you're not a supporter of Chelsea, of course, and. Carrick, of course, quite rightly was thrilled. It's as proud as I've, I've been, I have to say, and, um, again, for the for the players, knowing them, what they've put in and, and how close a group they are and, and seeing the stadium and, and the supporters supporting the lads right till the end when they needed that bit of help for the last 10 minutes or so. Standing there, seeing that was... was um, yeah, made me hugely proud. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a good night for that, really good night for that, and hopefully we can create some more of them in the future. So, I mean, it's Liverpool, uh, Fulham tonight, Danny, but would a less Premier League-centric final make for a better spectacle and a better story? I mean, what if Borough get there? Well, not not a better spectacle, and it's but a better Fulham. story. Better story. I mean, if Middlesbrough Fulham in the final, yeah, amazing. Someone's making history. So, you know, the the the, the meaning of that for the, peop- the, cl- the people involved at both clubs would be huge compared to Liverpool-Chelsea, who both were in the FA Cup final, league final against each other two years ago, weren't they? You know, Liverpool and Chelsea regularly have finals, regularly have silverware. So for Middlesbrough and Fulham to get through would be an incredible story for either club to go and win it. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the likes of Newcastle and what it would mean to them, Simon, to win their first trophy. For either Middlesbrough, who of course did it before against Bolton, or or Fulham to go there and win would be fantastic for either of those clubs. I get what you're saying about Steve Gibson. Of course, if you had the choice between winning the Carabao Cup and the Premier League, you're darn tootin' if yeah. you take the Premier League. But chance of a trophy is wonderful. Oh, of course, of course it is. And if that's what's on offer, you take it. I mean, I, 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 I watched the Swansea versus Bradford League Cup final. I don't there. think it yeah. was a great advertisement for the League Cup, with due respect. You know, and with with respect, why to, it was a heck of a story. Well, because I don't think if you're trying to build out the value of a competition. What game was that? Did you say sorry? Swansea, Swansea Bradford. Bradford. Yeah, would it be Bradford five 0 I was there. Uh, All of Bradford went with fantastic. huge, huge anticipation. Well, but, about, I mean, Lodrup side passed him off the pitch. Yeah, you're talking about the sentimental side. I'm I, perhaps I'm talking about the commercial side and the value of, of the competition. Because when you're trying to get rights and opportunities for it, when you're trying to sell it around the world with Swansea Bradford being in the final, you're probably not going to get very much. But when you've got Liverpool Chelsea, albeit it probably will be a more interesting game because Liverpool. Chelsea Cup finals recently have been pretty turgid, haven't they? Mm. Yeah. They've been they've been one on penalty shootouts. But they shouldn't have any divine right to be there. The Premier that, League. You know, that, why that, why should it what, be a Premier League that, final? That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying that if we're talking about the 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 intrigue and the value of it, then yes, of course, getting um lesser sides into the final makes the competition uh perhaps more quintessentially English, English. But the bottom line is, is it also makes it look like the old man with a rattle, which is often my accusation about how the football league portrays itself. It's the football league cup. It'd be wonderful for them. They'll make, they'll dine out. In fact, if one of their member clubs got to a cup final and won it, it would be almost bringing it home, wouldn't it? Given it's their cup. Somebody's saying there to 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 you, Danny, this morning. Take a bow because of that volley in the semi. Is that true? Was that against Pal- Palace? Yeah. You cracked one in. Yeah, shanked it. Really, really. <laughs> did you look up, Danny, and try and find him in the crowd? Did no. you find him in the director's box? No, he did the following year when they when we beat them in the FA Cup. Oh, right. I don't remember. I still At don't Anfield. remember that, At but Anfield. I'll trust you on it. At Anfield. Download. Stand well back. Listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station.
Talk Sport. We've talked about Middlesbrough and well done to Borough for getting to, to uh, the second leg, a goal up yeah. against Chelsea. But what about Chelsea, Danny? I mean, when you look at it, it is it a valid point that how is how is Mauricio Pochettino, if this is indeed the case, how is he escaping the le- levels of scrutiny levelled at the likes of Ten High? I mean, he's, he's come out, I looked at it on social media last night and there were many Chelsea fans going after him saying, this ain't good enough. I think there's a couple of reasons. One one is that the majority of Chelsea fans know that a lot of the players were signed without his, when he wasn't there, and also without when, you know, without Just the 400 million that he's accountable for. Furthermore, they are doing something that hasn't been done before, Chelsea, which is bring. They're trying to bring in a team or a squad full of young players with potential who are going to then become this brilliant team, yeah. guided by him. I think the fact that they've gone that way means that fans are a little bit more forgiving in that I know some are frustrated, but are still a little bit more forgiving and, and see it as a longer project because of the way they're signing players. Do you, do you honestly, do you think... Well, I they mean, have to be because you can't expect a team full or a squad full of potentially good players, which is what they are. Mm. None of them are established. The only player they've signed, or you could argue, is, has got a bit of a CV is in Cuckoo, and he's been injured. He's the one who's had a couple of seasons of a really high level. The rest of them have had fleeting bits of um, success in various teams across Europe. So you expected Chelsea to be 10th in the Premier League? No, they expect to be better than 10th. But I, I certainly think the more knowledgeable Chelsea fans wouldn't have expected this season to be particularly great. Really? How can I mean, you? I'm looking at Ryan, who I think has got, yeah. he's having a pop at us, Simon. Why are you guys in the media so reluctant to give Chelsea and Poch the criticism? Why are you not giving them the criticism they deserve? If this was United or Arsenal, you'd be doing an hour-long piece on how they're somewhat in crisis. Chelsea and Poch are mollycoddled. By you lot. Are, are they? By us? Um, well, I've made the claim that I thought, you, che- I thought Chelsea would be uh, up and about it this season. Hmm. Um, so my well, You mean top four? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also have also said that I never thought Pochettino was the answer to getting them back to the winning the leagues. And, I've, and what I've pushed back against is the narrative they've got an idiot American owner because that's an easy characterisation. But the interesting thing is, is that people aren't that interested in Chelsea. That's worse than people having a critical opinion. Chelsea are almost travelling under the radar because they're not operating in people's mindsets and having mm. much attention. We focus on them because they spend so much money. But there's apathy, you're right. Well, they're, not, they're not as big a club as Man United. They're not as big a club as Man United. It's simple as that. No, yeah. they're a manufactured club like Manchester City. You know, Man United are one of the biggest clubs in the world, Jim. So everything they do is scrutinised to a ridiculous level. And ten- there's apathy, Simon Wright. I'm, I'm with him in that, actually. I do feel that. I don't think there's a headline about Chelsea that particularly give a lot of attention to at the moment. I think it's fair. Yeah. I yeah. think I think the, dif- the the other difference as well, just quickly on Ten Hag, Ten Hag's been there longer. And I think a lot of his signings that have come obviously directly from him because he's managed them before, he's going to face more criticism. Other than the fact it's Man United, because of some, he's been there longer, and you expect progression. Well, let me put it this way to both of you: Are, are you both convinced of what Pochettino is trying to to do and achieve in the long term at Chelsea? I think he's really good at what he does, and I think you'll see a, a huge improvement soon. Which is what make players better, like he did at Southampton. Make players better, and Spurs, and and yeah, and yeah. well, definitely at Spurs. Mm. I think we will see improvement at Chelsea. There's no way those players aren't going to start learning from him. Of course him. they'll get better. I mean, the bottom line is I've always felt that Pochettino's all fur cut and no knickers. I think there's a lot about him that gives you the feeling that he's a very good manager, but when it comes to actually delivering an outcome, they don't do it. Now, great, they won the French League. Great. Lille won the French League the previous year. 
So I would expect him to win the French League with PSG with the embarrassment and riches that they yeah, had there. Yeah. But coming to Chelsea, I, there just seems to be this very... Some people might say it's calm. Some people might say it's him not reacting to the circumstances. But he seems to... When every time I see him hear, hear him doing a press conference... Ambivalent. Post, post, well, he just seems to be very laissez-faire about it all. It seems to be very relaxed. He's almost, it's almost so relaxed, it's almost falling over. There's no, there doesn't seem to be any urgency. Now, that might just be a style of way he's handling the media. And there might be more intensity behind the scenes. I had envisaged that Chelsea would be more competitive this season by competitive I thought yeah I, I did top four. I did I have to be honest well then if you did then why are you suggesting that the Chelsea fans wouldn't no I, I, when I say more competitive because you're saying the Chelsea fans have priced it into their thinking they didn't think it was going to be a great season for them so at this moment in time they've got a stink of a season well I mean as in great season from their own high bar which is winning Premier Leagues and being albeit, not, know, not, albeit not for seven and years and being now. competitive yeah. at the top the world's most dangerous download outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station talk sport I hesitate to think where we're going to go with this, but one year of Howard Webb at the PGMOL, Danny, how would you assess his report card? I don't feel... I mean... I mean, communi- if standards and officiating communication, and VAR is a step forward. The communication from Howard's been really good. And there's a definite... You can, you can feel his desire. So that's a plus. Real plus, yeah. Communication's good. I think it's better in that respect. I still think we've got problems in the competency level of the officials. Um... Too many decisions we're seeing are still really bad, which is which is worrying still. Um, I do feel for them in some respects in the, the, this ongoing handball debate that gets... There's a crossover sometimes with VAR and its efficiency and the official's efficiency and the handball issue. The handball issue, they're trying to interpret this complex set of rules which handball is when you read through it, which isn't set by them. And I think even some of the officials... Well, I know that one or two of them are even bemused and perplexed by it. Not perplexed, but disappointed with it because they'd want it to be a different way, but they're trying to implement the rules. So yeah, I feel from on the handball stuff, because sometimes people go on air and talk about the refs and blah, blah, but actually the handball one's a difficult one. And, 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 and you quite rightly said on Monday night that the players have got to play a part in this. When you yeah. look at it, uh, should they not hold their hands up and take greater responsibility themselves? I'm thinking Jota. I'm thinking Bruno, of course, uh, the yeah. other night uh, at Wigan. I mean, you went after them on Monday night. The refs have got to sit down together, watch these examples and go, no, we can't keep condoning that. We can't keep allowing players to get away with it. What happens is one gets away, one gets a penalty by doing it. I say getting away, I mean getting a penalty. Of course people are going to do it the week after and the week after and the week after. It's infectious, it's bad, it's, it's a... It's a cancer that's coming into our game that I don't like, and I've never liked it. What we should be doing is punishing those. Yeah. You see, they've got to play their part, but they won't. They won't. Well, they won't because they get rewarded. The problem The problem is, and I was going all over the place there, listening back to myself, I was a bit cold. Yeah. <laughs> you enjoyed listening back to yourself then. Not really. Um, I think that we need to go a little bit the other way, Howard and the officials. And what I mean by that, especially on penalties, I've seen too many penalties probably double figures this season, given for players going down, delayed, over-exaggerated, just because there's contact. I think they're allowed to within the rules and the wording. Contact does not mean penalty. So it's about velocity, it's about the amount of contact, etc. All those different things come in. I would like this team reverse the bar on that and go really high for penalties to make a real a, a, a proper tackle where you know a low contact in the box yeah to a degree and stop encouraging diving and cheating because what they're doing at the moment by being so free and easy on their penalty decisions 
is making players look and go, look, any concert, go down, you're going to get it. So they're going to go down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there undoubtedly have been plus points, Simon, have there not? I mean, we've got far greater t- transparency compared to the days of Mike Riley. Yeah. They, they have said, we're going to tackle descent. They have. Yeah, that's been good. And more ball in play. Yeah. And so was, time's uh, added on that's, if you that's muck about. And the response time to challenges is probably far more uh, effective. The problem is, is that we've got to separate from what we, f- the f- what we feel against what the facts are. And are the facts that statistically and empirically that more decisions are being made of a, of a lower calibre than were being made in the last half a decade. And I wonder if anyone's actually compiled this evidence to stop the idea. Because what you do is you start with a preconceived perception of what you don't like about VAR and the concept of how referees are officiating in conjunction with it. Because you start from the position of, once we've got VAR in, no bug will ever make a mistake again. Right, that's the first untruth that needed to be, that mm. first myth that needed to be debunked. Absolutely. Right? The second dynamic is, is how many decisions are being made that are actually better in, as a result of VAR than previously. And the third one is to kill the particular problem problem that it kills everybody in real time is a lack of spontaneity as a result of it. Now, those are the three issues. I think it's probably undeniable statistically that the decisions that are being made by VAR are probably better as a result of VAR being implemented. But the feel of it, because the because it's something new, because it's changing certain factions of the game, because it's losing the spontaneity, it's now got this um, prism that it's being looked at, which is... <clears throat> Probably inaccurate because there is an expectation. So I'm willing to wager you, despite what Danny feels, because facts trump feelings, right? I'm willing to wager that if you took a statistical evaluation of what VAR has done since it's been implemented and what was done before, that we would be clearer on that more decisions are being made. There were appalling decisions before VAR came in. There's more still correct some, decisions still are being made now. And still bad decisions being made, being made now. The one area that I am really... Cu- not comfortable with, despite significant support from sections of the media, because the media have gotten behind the idea that referees need more respect. Yeah. And they've latched upon it and think, ah, aha, this is good. This is this is getting some traction. So we'll get in behind that. The mail's been very specific about that, doing campaigns about respect to officials, right? Is the empowerment of officials on the pitch hasn't translated in leaders making decisions on the field where they do not get influenced by the VAR because the decision with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the on-field decision right. was one thing and it was right. Yeah. Yeah. And there really was not much in that VAR besides the psychological doubt that might have been put in the referee's mind that maybe I should look at this. The fact I've been looking, I've been told to look at it means there's something that I've missed. And as a result of it, I've now altered my own perspective on it. Creating I would decision. like to see more more officials have a sort of... And that's where I think Howard has got to build a better breed of Empower referee. Empower them more. No, they've been empowered and they've been given a lot of support. They've got to get the right culture into these referees and get the right type of people on the pitch that understand that they are in control of the game. They're getting there because they're being aided and abetted by people putting in dissent laws and challenges. But we look at the players, and, and you, are, you made it earlier on. You've still got players pulling the shirts off, off one another in, in defensive areas, and they know that the cameras are scrutinised every aspect, and yet you still do it. So this idea that we're going to hire the bar on contact and ask players not to simulate. The only way you're ever going to do that is by consequencing them. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now then, uh, moving on, I'm with Simon and I'm with uh, Danny. The sports minister, Stuart Andrew, said he will intervene with social media platforms after Joey Barton's, quotes, dangerous comments about female football commentators. Joey has made a series of uh, what have been perceived to be derogatory, misogynistic comments on Twitter, the platform, of course, uh, in what appears to be an attempt to gain publicity before the launch of a podcast. Many people are saying, oh, Joey, you've been speaking like this because you've got a podcast on the go. Whether that's true or not is another matter. But as I say, in this DCMS select committee meeting, this was a question and the answer coming up from Stuart Andrew. There's been some very, very disturbing um, uh, posts on X, formerly Twitter, in the last month or so from Joey Barton on women, uh, former professional women footballers commentating on men's football. Would you condemn the comments? Uh, yes, of course. And, um, you know, these are dangerous comments that open the floodgates for abuse, and that's not acceptable. I'm you know, I'm always slightly wary in these situations that these sorts of people want the oxygen um, and I don't want to fuel that. And actually, if I could put on record my thanks for the amazing contribution that women and girls make to football and sport more generally in this country. You know, whether that be at the top of the FA or groups like um, uh, women in sport or whether it be the players themselves or the thousands of volunteers that we all see as MPs in our constituencies, you know, the, the opportunities for young people to play football at the weekend would not exist if it wasn't for the fact that we had so many volunteers, many of whom are women. So that's the Sports Minister Stuart Andrew and now the government have got involved. ITV Sport previously said this, for Joey Barton, an ex-professional player with a significant social media presence, to target two of our pundits, Ennio Luco and Lucy Ward, with such vindictive remarks based on gender and to invoke the names of serial killers in doing so is clearly contemptible and shameful on his part. Football is for everyone. And now the government are involved, Simon. Well, first of all, I don't know why the government are involved because it's got very little to do with them. And, to, to, you know, to, to, to bring out terminology like dangerous, is what Joey Barton said unpalatable? Yes. Is it a poor analogy to suggest 
that the what he's saying by using Rose West and Fred West as an example, he's basically saying that they're murdering the commentary. And plenty of times in life we use that expression. Do I like him using it? No, I don't. Do I think it's the appropriate way to voice an opinion on a subject matter? Which I think there's some validity in some of the points that he's making. I do think that in this world that we, we get absolutely drawn into equality, diversity and inclusion, there are people getting opportunities that aren't based upon meritocracy. So I think at the centre of his argument, he has some validity, where he has no validity in the way that he's diminished the argument by taking it into a place where it's lurid and insidious and insipid and based upon uh, derogatory observations and no real substance behind what he's saying and supportive of the argument that he's making in the first place, yeah. which does have validity. It is a discussion. We should be able to discuss, are people getting positions in any walk of life because of equality, diversity and inclusivity, or are they getting it because of meritocracy? No, but the, to take it to the personal level that Joey Barton has taken it, many would argue there is absolutely no need to do that. And the sports minister, Stuart Andrew, has said they are dangerous comments that open the floodgates for abuse. And that's not acceptable. And that's what's happened, isn't it? Because many of the female pundits have had abuse. And Andrew says, I'm slightly wary of these sort of people want the oxygen or publicity, and I don't want to fuel that. And that's fine. So then don't, because really and truly what you're going to do is precisely nothing. Unless you're going to invoke the Online Harms Act and suggest that it's a hate crime, you're going to do nothing. You have no jurisdiction over Twitter. You have no ability to be able to consequence X, as it now is, through the Online Harms Bill, because what Joey Bartners do is express an opinion. He's allowed to have an opinion. It might be an unpalatable one. It might be one that we don't appreciate. And it might be one that I'm quite cross about because I think he's diminished a really reasonable argument. I think he's diminished a re- relatively reasonable point. But what does Andrew mean when he says he will intervene with social media Nothing. platforms? What, is it, what, 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 what did Julian Knight mean when he stepped up and told everybody in the DCMS we're going to do this, that and the other over certain aspects of sport? Nothing, whilst he was getting himself sanctioned. I take nothing from that besides grandstanding and virtue signalling and then topping it up with something that we all know, that women's particip- participation in sport by most reasonable people is valued. There are always going to be unreasonable people in society. We see we don't need your little lecture there on afterwards about the value of women in society and sport. We all know that. We've got it. Joey Barton, whether we like it or we don't, and I don't like the way he's expressed himself, because I think it, it steers towards a narrative that there's certain people in society, and I've written about it tomorrow, that believe that people like Joey Barton and Andrew Tate speak for certain members of society because men are becoming a disenfranchised. No, they don't when they speak like this. When they speak about it in an educated way and they say, look, are people getting jobs that shouldn't be getting them? Are we leading towards a space that no one really wants, which is you Mm. get a job because of your sexuality or your ethnicity. You get a job because of your talent. That's what you get a job for, and that's Joey's central part. What he's decided to do, for some reason best known to himself, is take this conversation into the gutter and make it about lurid accusations, make it about observations about people, make it about insinuations. And I find it disappointing because it now means that anybody that touches that conversation is on board will be toxic mm. because they'll be able people will be able to you know emma hayes made an observation about the darwinian evolution of man nonsense it's got nothing to do about the evolution of man and charles darwin and people's perspectives of how how man has evolved it's got everything to do with one person taking a subject matter shining a light upon himself because it creates attention but you and say the sports. I mean, you, you say that Joey has made lurid accusations on a platform. The, tw- yeah, the has, platform yeah. being Twitter. The sports minister uh, said, "Yeah, he, he would happily unquote speak to the social media companies, and we'll do that." Good so, luck to him. But, but you're suggesting that he won. 
I'm suggesting that there's no merit in it. I'm suggesting that what politicians... All of a sudden, we've got a national crisis in this country that every bleeding politician has probably known about for the last five years. And because of a TV documentary, all of a sudden the politicians get double lively. Mm. And all of a sudden the post office submasters, sub-post office masters, are now getting the attention they should have got from politicians years ago. So now what we've got is if anybody makes an observation about certain things, about ethnicity or about... Uh, the representation of women in sport and make a, a point I want to debate it, you're a misogynist. And ultimately, politicians jump on the back of it and go, I'm not having any of that. I'm going to talk... You know, you're going to do nothing. You're not going to talk to the social media networks because you're going to get nowhere with it because despite whether we like it or not, the only space where probably the argument that goes about freedom of speech is in shouting fire in a crowded, crowded theatre. They might make that argument and say, it's creating a, 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 an attitude of... Abuse? No, the people that the people that follow that kind of mentality are going to have that mentality anyway. anyway yeah. So with that in mind, it's a very loose argument. Careful how you shut people down. I don't like much about Joey Barton. I don't like lots of things that he's done and said based upon what I've heard about him and what I've seen in a public domain. He might be a completely different bloke if you meet him face to face and I have no particular desire to take up that particular challenge. What I do dislike about this is this is a conversation that could have been had, but it can't now be had because that troglodyte has taken it down to a level of discourse which is abuse and toxic based and then no one can touch it anymore because it will give the guys over here that have an agenda to say, we want more representation irrespective of talent Hang on a second. Oh, you're with Joe Barton, are you? You're in that mentality. That's what it does to the argument, and that's the, bloody disappointing. The sports minister, Simon Stewart-Andrew, says uh, Barton's comments are dangerous. Do you think they're dangerous? No, I think they're stupid and unpalatable. And if stupid, unpalatable people want to pick up on them, then there's not a lot you can do about that. But if I they think bring on abuse? People get abuse on social media. It's Every a day. sewer. Everybody gets it. It isn't just driven by... If, if, if you're following Joe Barton and people like Joe Barton, then there's something that you need to look at yourself about. The point is, is that is that the the idea that people like the sports minister, to, on one hand, say they're going to give it no credence, but on the other hand, tell you that they're going to give it absolute credence by talking to a social media platform about what he's saying. It's just, it's you know, he doesn't merit the attention. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show.